Good morning, and welcome to the Sunday service of Free Community Church. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. And for those of you who are watching from home or even watching from overseas, because we know we have people who regularly watch from UK, Australia, Philippines, even Brazil, a warm welcome to you as well. So let's take a moment to greet one another. If you're here on site, you can turn to your neighbor, give them a wave. Um, if you're watching online, you can type a greeting into the chat. Uh, if I didn't mention the country you're watching from, please type it into the chat as well so we can welcome you. And our moderator will be also standing by online to respond to comments in the chat. So as we prepare our hearts to worship God, I invite you to, um, you know, whatever you've been going through this week, to just put that aside for a while, not suppressing it, because we come to God with everything we are. You know, God knows who we are and what we're going through, so we don't need to hide anything about ourselves in the presence of God. But let bring that to God as an offering as we enter into this sacred time. And so please, join, please stand in body or in spirit and join me in the call to worship. Today is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Let, Let us, us be glad, glad this day for life, for breath, and, and for freedom to worship. Blessed are you who come in the name of the Lord. We come, we come to, to bring, bring our gifts of praise and gratitude to the God, to the God of all creation. God is good, and in God's work we find our strength. We sing of all God's wonderful works. Let us give thanks and praise to the Lord. Now I invite you to remain standing and let us join our hearts and voices in a time of praise and worship. Thanks, David. Good morning, everyone. So I'm a little tired today because yesterday I drove into JB and then I drove out and then it was midnight. So... I think I need a little bit of energy from my dear FCC family. So, the first song will be a fun song, okay? So, bear with me. So, the first song is called Forever by Chris Tomlin. So, verse 1 will go, Give thanks to the Lord, our God and King. And then the response from you would be, Your love endures forever. Can do that. Shall we try? Once only, then after that the bang will come in and then we'll all sing and be happy and merry, okay? <laughs> Alright, so give thanks to the Lord, our God and King. Your love endures forever. Ah, very good. So we know you can do it a second time. Okay, um, there's something very freeing, just a little bit of nugget. Something very freeing about shouting and declaring your love. For example, I love you, Taylor Swift. <laughs> right. And then, although Taylor can't hear, but you know, that's really very freeing and just like, you know, throw your hands out in a football match and just, yeah, I love you, I love you, kind of thing. So let's do that to God today, uh, saying that, hey, we love you, your love endures forever, shall we? Take it away. And of course, feel free to clap. <laughs>
stretch up your love endures forever for the life that's been reborn setting sun your love endures forever by the grace of god we will carry on Let's find the 
that space. To bask in God's love. Allowing the Holy Spirit to fall softly, gently. Many times we ask questions. God, why me? What is your purpose for me in this life? What is my next job? When is my next meal? Today I invite you to trust in God's faithfulness to you. Because even when we don't see it, God's still working on us. For us, and with us. Today, let's thank our Lord Jesus Christ for His goodness to us. The goodness 
Please be seated. Hi, good morning, church. Uh, my name is Mark, and I'll be guiding uh, you through a time of prayer. Uh, thank you for the worship team for bringing us into a space of um, God's presence. Um, and uh, now, let's um, quieten our hearts and prepare ourselves um, to connect with God uh, in a different way. Compassionate and loving God, you are the God of peace. The voices of the world desire war, famine, and pestilence against enemies. But your voice calls for love, for peace. So Lord, we surrender at your feet. All our swords and the barbs that we sit erect around us and ourselves and our hearts so that you may enter and speak to us. Loving God, we surrender unto you all our selfishness, our fears, our anger, our hatred, for others and also for ourselves, knowing that in your presence, Lord, we are fully accepted and loved. Lord, we pray unto you and give you thanks for all that we have. We give thanks for our food, our drink, our work, and the little things in our life that we often take for granted. Thank you for being our breath. Our breath that sustains our life. Our little short stay on earth. You are with us always in every breath we take. So Lord, as we come to you, we pray and ask that you guide us in all that we do, in all that we say, in how we lead our lives, 
we open our hearts and our minds to your presence. God of connection and community, we give thanks for community and we lift up all the loneliness and brokenness in our hearts and in the people around us. Lord, you desire for us to come to you, to be like little children, to learn from you and from each other. How is it to love? Many times we don't know how to do that. And sometimes we love imperfectly. Forgive us, Father. Teach us, Lord, your way. God of justice, we give thanks for the many victories that we've experienced. We celebrate them, the big ones and the little ones. We give thanks even though it's one year away from the repeal of 377A, we continue to remember and celebrate it as a victory. That we continue together as a community at Ping Dot to celebrate love and family. We ask for love for each other, but also for those who disagree with us. Every being and every creation is made with your loving hands and imprinted in our hearts and in each and every heart is the image of the divine. So help us, Lord, to learn how to see how it is as it is your image and your presence in every being around us. God of healing, we pray and lift up various members in our community who are going through a difficult time, whether at work, finding work, whether healing relationships, and working things out, or those who may be struggling with health problems, whether mental or physical, or we ask for your healing hand to be with those who need it the most. Help us to be that presence to each other and those who need it the most. And now as we lift up to you our own concerns, prayers and name all the things on our hearts, 
hear us. Lord, you are not far. You never are. May your breath, may our breath, remind us of your presence here on earth, with us, among us, always. May we in our lives continue to work out our hearts, and our walk. And may we learn to walk with each other, encouraging each other, guiding each other, and comforting each other as we walk home to you together. All this we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. So good morning. Good morning and welcome to SCC. So good to see all of your faces and also those that I cannot see online. Uh, welcome. Um, and so I just want to invite you, uh, before we go into our sermon today, um, to just get onto our mentee. Um, so what we use for our sermon um, most of the time. Okay, wait a minute. Yeah, it's to use Mentimeter for us to interact during sermon time. And today I have quite a few questions uh, for you that I would love to hear from you. So please get on uh, using the QR code. You can... Um, Scan it, or you can go into fcc.li.li/menti, and it will bring you to our slides uh, for today. Okay. Will you pray with me as we begin this morning? May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing to you, God, Earthmaker pain-bearer, life-giver, whose love and truth sets us free. Amen. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. 
So this is one of our key verses for today. But before I actually go into the passage for today, I wanted to do a survey, right, among us. Today we're talking about what it means to be wholeheartedly authentic and free. But I'm just curious, to what extent are you able to freely be your authentic self in church? Whether in church presently here or in churches before, you know, you can take whatever reference that is helpful to you. But to what extent are you able to freely be your authentic self in church? Okay? Just our curiosity, right? Wow! We actually have quite a number who says very much, and I'm so glad to hear that. <laughs> so glad to see that. And somewhat, right? Which, yeah, makes sense. Not much, yeah. Absolutely possible. Uh, not at all. Also very possible, right? Yeah. But say the majority is somewhat with uh, very close, uh, with very much. Thank you. Thank you for inputting your experience into this, right? Because we want to kind of look at what is real for us, right? Yeah. See, the reality is that more often, it is in religious settings, religious environments like church, that people actually feel least likely to be able to be fully themselves, right? Perhaps it's the weight of expectations of the people around, or our own expectations, or the idea that we have about what it means to be pure and holy, and our image of what holiness means, right? But it's quite common for people to consciously or unconsciously mask up because we are afraid of being judged. And it's sad that it happens a lot in churches, but it doesn't have to be this way. We can be better, and I know we can do better. Author Connie Zagbik she writes about this thing called shifting our emphasis from our roles to our souls as we grow older and how it allows us to discover a deeper identity. I don't know about you, but when we were growing up, most of us, we were all figuring out our roles in this world, right, in society. And often our roles become our identity. And that is true for us in our church environments too. Our roles become our identity. That worship leader, right? that producer, right? that welcome team member. Right? Often our roles become our identity. And sometimes we identify with our persona so strongly that we become experts at denial. And we learn to eliminate or deny anything that doesn't support it. I'm not talking about the roles that people serve in, huh? but in general, right, the roles that we have in society and how people see us. And our shadow self makes us all into hypocrites on some level. Someone playing a role rather than being real, right? And that's why a lot of people like to look at people in church, right? And they say, Christians are all very hypocritical, right? Well, I mean, a bit unfair, lah, right? Because I think all of us are hypocrites sometimes. Huh? Very hard to be real at, in all settings, right? Uh, but Christians do get the bulk of that, right? So in some ways, we are all in some kind of closet, and we are even encouraged by society to play our roles. But when we don't know who we really are, we are actually unconsciously living someone else's life, or at least someone else's expectations for us. And this actually does violence to ourselves, our relationship with God, and ultimately to others. So how do we shift from our roles to our souls the realness of who we are 
and live more authentic and free lives. As Christians, we often think that what God expects of us is purity, right? But what God truly wants for us is holiness. What's the difference between purity and holiness? We often use them interchangeably, right? So Nadia Boatsweber wrote this very interesting um, article, and she said, purity is not holiness. I'm like, okay, what's the difference? Well, I think holiness means to be made whole, while purity means to be set apart. And so she gave a couple of descriptions about how when we emphasize purity, it can actually lead us away from holiness instead of leading us towards holiness, right? That's interesting, right? See, our purity systems, even those established with the best of intentions, she says, do not make us holy. They only create insiders and outsiders, right? Set apart. As people shame each other in church, at home, or social media, etc. And purity most often leads to self-righteousness, right? Pride, despair, but definitely not holiness. Because holiness is about union with coming together, making, being whole. And purity is about separation from. To connect to the holy is to access the deepest, the juiciest parts of our spirits. And perhaps this is why we set up so many boundaries and protections and rules around sex, religion, all those juiciest parts of us, right? But when the boundaries and the protections and the rules become more important, then the sacred thing that they are intended to protect, casualties ensue. But no matter how much we strive for purity in our minds, our bodies, our spirits, purity is actually not the same as holiness. And it's just easier to define what is pure rather than what is holy, so we kind of use that interchangeably often in church. So one of the things she did was she pointed out that, you know Jesus... Jesus seemed to want connection with those around him and not separation, remember? He touched human bodies that were deemed unclean by the whole of society and he touched them as if they were holy. Dead little girls, remember? lepers, menstruating women. People of his day were disgusted that Jesus' disciples would eat with their unwashed hands and they tried to shame him for it, but he said... It is not what enters the mouth that makes one unclean, but what comes out of it that defiles. He was loyal to the law, just not at the expense of people. And Jesus, being that revolutionary, he kept violating boundaries, right? To get people on the other side, those who had been wounded by all the laws, by all the expectations, by the whole purity system, those who were separated from others, the motherless, the sex workers, the victims, the victimizers, he tried to bring them over because he cared about real holiness, the connection between things human and divine, the unity of sinners, the coming together of that which was formerly set apart. So now that we know the difference between purity and holiness, how does that help us become more authentic Christians? So I wanted to ask you first, what do you think 
what does it mean to be authentic? When you say someone is authentic, what comes to your mind? I mean, what words come to your mind? When you say that I want to try to be authentic, what comes to your mind? What does it mean to you to be authentic? To be honest, yes. To be true, right? To be real, right? Often authentic, we talk about being real, right? Self-aware, yes. Unmasked, meaning what you see is what you get, right? Unique, mm -hmm. aligned. Oh, that's a good one, right? Aligned. Vulnerable, not people-pleasing, mm -hmm. because you're doing things not just to please people, no pretensions, no holdbacks, empathetic. Our values guide us, right, probably, to walk the talk. Mm -hmm. True to myself, yes. Genuine, kind, to be yourself. So you see, honest, real, vulnerable are some of the big ones, right? The ones that most repeated, right, by most of you. Courageous, yeah, it takes a lot of courage, right? To be authentic. To be whole, to be original. To maintain boundaries, to be congruent. Wonderful, I mean, you have such amazing descriptive words of authenticity. Yes, yes and yes, right? It's all those things. So let me pull together all your wonderful brains that you put up there, all right? And we go back to Brene Brown, who did a lot of research in this area, right? And so her definition of authenticity is the daily practice of letting go of who we think we're supposed to be and embracing who we are. Letting go of who we think we're supposed to be and embracing who we are. And she says, believing that you're enough is what gives you the courage to be authentic. Believing that you're enough is that foundation, right? And that's why we talked about what we did last week, about worthiness, that you're worthy of love, because that gives you the courage to be authentic. So yes, authenticity, okay, we kind of got that. So what does it mean to be free as a Christian? Right? Free is in our name, right? Free Community Church, right? Last, last time, we sometimes get people criticizing us, right? Say, wow, oh, free community church means what? Uh? Free sex, uh? you know? Freely do whatever you want to do, uh? right? So we get insulted in all sorts of ways. Uh? But you know, free, of course, stands for first, realize everyone's equal, yes. And I, to me, I define freedom from a Christian perspective as free from shame, free to embrace who we are, free to live from our true identity in God, free to become all that God created us to be. That's what I think the definition of free is. I mean, it could be many other things as well, but these are top of mind for me, what it means to truly be free. And so I want to bring you into 2 Corinthians chapter 3, that key verse that I shared with you earlier. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Right? And I'm going to read to you from the NRSV. Uh, UE means updated edition. And so since then, we have such a hope. We act with complete frankness, not like Moses, who put a veil over his face to keep the people of Israel from gazing at the end of the glory that was being set aside. But their minds were hardened. Indeed, to this very day, when they hear the reading of the Old Covenant, 
The same veil is still there. It is not unveiled since in Christ it is set apart. Indeed, to this very day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their minds, but when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And all of us with unveiled faces, seeing the glory of the Lord as though reflected in a mirror, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, the Spirit. And with that kind of hope to excite us, nothing holds us back. So, I'm going to pause here, right? Because this is actually the message version. Huh? I'll show you later, okay? Why I'm going to show you another version. But what was Paul talking about? When he was talking about Moses here, right? Paul was writing a letter to the Corinthians, but he was definitely referring to the Hebrew Scriptures. And so he was actually talking about Moses in Exodus 34, and you can go back and read about that. But I can tell you briefly, right, that when Moses came down from Mount Sinai, after 40 days and 40 nights, his face was radiant because he had spoken with the Lord. And he had been radically transformed by his direct encounter with the infinite God. And people were actually scared to look at him because of that radiance of glory right, that comes on his face. They didn't even dare come near him. So it was just too much for them. And so Moses put a veil over his face. So in that case, the veil kind of filtered the unbearable glory of God. And then much later on, we see in the transfiguration story, and you'll see that in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus is the new Moses. And in Paul's letter to Corinthians, he says that we are not like Moses who veiled his face. In fact, when anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. And so we, who with unveiled faces, all reflect the God's glory. And we are being transformed into God's likeness. And in this instance, the veil is removed because it doesn't merely filter, but it covers over, it obscures the glory of God which is actually us. We reflecting the glory of God. So, to, to make it a little bit clearer, okay, I'm going to share with you the message version because I appreciate how it explains some of these things within uh, the verses, right? And so it says, with that kind of hope to excite us and that hope, right, is that we know Jesus as the one who is able to remove that veil, Nothing holds us back. Unlike Moses, we have nothing to hide. Everything is out in the open with us. He wore a veil so that the children of Israel wouldn't notice that the glory was fading away. And they didn't notice. But only Christ can get rid of the veil so they can see for themselves that there's nothing there. Whenever though they turn to face God as Moses did, God removes the veil and there they are face to face they suddenly recognize that God is a living, personal presence, not a piece of chiseled stone, which was what the Ten Commandments were on, right? A piece of chiseled stone that Moses was bringing down from Mount Sinai. That God is a living, personal preference. And when God is personally present, a living spirit, that all constricting legislation is recognized as obsolete. We're free of it, all of us, Nothing between us and God, our faces shining with the brightness of God's face. 
And so we are transfigured much like the Messiah, our lives gradually becoming brighter and more beautiful as God enters our lives and we become like God. And I'm going to go a little bit more beyond that into chapter 4, the next two verses, because it continues. Right? It says, Since God has so generously let us in on what God is doing, we're not about to throw up our hands and walk off the job just because we run into occasional hard times. We refuse to wear masks and play games. We don't manoeuvre and manipulate behind the scenes. And we don't twist God's word to suit ourselves. Rather, we keep everything we do and say out in the open. The whole truth on display so that those who want to can see and judge for themselves in the presence of God. It is not easy to take down the mask that we so often use to protect ourselves. But you know those masks, they don't actually protect us. They just keep us from being fully seen, heard and understood, which is actually what we long for in the first place as human beings. When we stand before God face to face, we know there's nothing to hide. In fact, there's nothing we can hide. God wants our authentic selves to be seen, heard, and understood. God made us not for us to be hidden behind some mask or veil. God made us so that we can see God face to face and to see, hear, and understand one another authentically. And when God removes that veil, that mask, we realize that we are free. And nothing stands between us and God. God sees us and loves us just as we are. And not only that, Paul says that our faces are shining with the brightness of God's face. We reflect the glory of God as we are being transformed in God's likeness. Isn't that amazing? We bear the likeness of God and we are actually reflecting the glory of God in our lives, through our faces, through who we are. So, what does authentic spirituality look like to you? If somebody could come and sit down to ask you, you know what, you've been a Christian for X number of years, what is real spirituality like? What does it look like? What words come to your mind when you think about authentic spirituality, is it doing certain things on a Sunday? What is it? What does it look like to you? Love. Yeah. I would hope so. Because God is love. And it needs to be love not only in our words, but in our actions, right? In, our, in the way that we embody love. Peace. Yes. Centered, yeah, good word, right? When you see someone who is spiritual, I mean, like when you think, oh, that person is really spiritual, huh? centered comes to mind, right? Someone who somehow has something grounding them, right, deep inside. It's not a performance, yeah? Unconditional love, living out God's values, completely truthful, mm -hmm. giving freely, receiving freely. I'm glad that you have both, right? You're not only giving, but you're also receiving. It's a mutual thing, right? 
grounded, yeah, very similar to centered, right? But there's this anchor, something that that person seems to be standing on, connected one with Christ. Yes, that is the ultimate goal, right? Authentic spirituality, maturity, one with Christ. Yes, consistency, connected, compassion, wonderful words, knowing Jesus more. Humility, faith, God in the center, yeah. To reflect Christ's likeness, yes. Loving freely, true to God. Fruit bearing, yeah, definitely, right? Making mistakes, love that, yes. Thank you for putting that. Because it doesn't mean, right, that when you're authentically spiritual, it doesn't mean that you are perfect. That is not equal to perfection, right? It means that we also make mistakes, we are also able to accept that we do make mistakes and we learn from that and we change, right? We make amends. We're whole. Yes, openness. Wonderful. Disciplined to know Jesus. Gift of the Spirit. Mm -hmm. Jesus at the well. Yeah. And if you've not read that story before, go read it, right? It's in John 4. Jesus at the well with the Samaritan woman. Beautiful. Thank you so much, beloved. Yes. All of these things add up to what authentic spirituality looks like. And those are all beautiful things, really important things. Well, let me share with you. Um, I was reading this uh, devotion that Richard Raw wrote, and, he said, and it's entitled, The Truth Will Set You Free. And he said, authentic spirituality, and this is something that none of us kind of put there, and that's why I thought it would be really interesting to think about, is always on some level or in some way, about letting go. It's like, what? Letting go? It's like, it's the last thing that we think about, right? We think about all these other things, right, that we add on. See, because in a consumer society, we have little training on how to let go of anything. Rather, more is considered better, right? If you can add on, get more, earn more, do more, that's better. But Jesus said, the truth will set you free. And that's in John 8, verse 32. It says, once you truly see what traps us and keeps us from freedom, we should see the need to let it go. As Meister Eckhart said, the spiritual life is more about subtraction than it is about addition. But, you know, we all live in capitalist societies, and so we often talk about adding more. The freedom that Jesus promises involves letting go of our small self, our cultural biases, even our fear of loss and death. Freedom is letting go of wanting more and better things. It is letting go of our need to control and manipulate God and others. It's even letting go of our need to know and our need to be right, which we only discover as we mature. We become ever more free as we let go of our three primary motivations. Our need for power and control, our need for safety and security, and our need for affection and esteem. Not that those are not important, they are. But when they become the driving forces in our lives, it becomes challenging, right? Healthy spirituality leads us to true liberation by naming what's real, what's true, and what works. This ultimate reality, the way things really work, is quite simply described as love. 
which is what some of you put earlier, right? The wise ones recognise that without a certain degree of inner freedom, we cannot and will not truly love. Spirituality is about finding that freedom. That Jesus even commanded it, to love one another, remember? Though we're not very sure that we can really order or demand love, but Jesus commanded it to show us how central it is. Most of us, we didn't grow up thinking of religion as a pathway towards freedom. Instead, we were taught a set of prescriptions, right? Do's and don'ts, musts, oughts, shoulds. And of course, against which we will push back, like children always do. When we are young, we think that rebellion is the only path to freedom. And some amount of structure is important, but it's only at that first level of growth. Authentic spirituality, as opposed to mere rebellion, is about finding true freedom. It offers us freedom from our smaller selves as a reference point for everything or anything. This is a necessary revolution wherein we change our reference point. We discover that we are no longer the centre of the universe any more than the earth is. We no longer feel the need to place our own thoughts and feelings in the centre of every conversation or difficulty. The big and full world does not surround and circle around any one of us. Yet so many of us refuse to undergo this foundational enlightenment, which leaves us much less free than we want to be. I just want to ask you, are you how are you feeling today? Are you much less free than you want to be? Are you there yet when it comes to that freedom that Jesus talks about? Do you wish you could be more authentic and free, especially in the context of this faith community? You know, courage, the original definition of the word courage, when it first came into the English language, is actually from the Latin word core, C-O-R, meaning heart. And so courage is telling the story of who you are with your whole heart. And that takes facing our fears of being known, of letting others see who we want, not who we want them to see, but who we really are. It takes being vulnerable. I don't know what your experience has been in FCC, but when I think about my own experience, I think Becoming more authentic and free requires a mutual relationship. It's not just one person deciding, okay, I'm going to become more authentic and free. We actually need each other. We can't become more authentic and free by ourselves. We need people we trust. We need a safe environment to let go of who we think we're supposed to be and embrace who we are more fully. You know, I used to think I was a good mediator in conflict situations. And perhaps on some levels, I am, maybe. Because I'm quite a good listener, I can hold space and empathise with many different perspectives. Okay? However, through kind and honest feedback, very honest feedback, <laughs> I realised I wasn't a very good mediator at all. Because while I could understand other people's feelings and opinions very quickly, I was very slow in accessing my own feelings and opinions especially in tense situations. 
in general, I'm more externally focused, so I take a much longer time to actually process my own thoughts and feelings. So one day, one of the leaders shared with me that sometimes they find it hard to trust me when they don't know what I'm thinking in a particular situation, especially when there's conflict involved or disagreements involved between many different parties. And I reflected about what that person shared with me, and I really appreciated the honest insight because it's true. And I understand why that person said that. So over the past few years, I've been working really hard on assessing my own feelings and opinions and articulating them more clearly and readily. Usually at the beginning of a meeting or session, as I sit down with people, I'll tell them, okay, this is what I'm thinking. Huh? <laughs> so you know exactly where I stand, what I'm thinking, okay? And people have told me that they found it helpful. All right? So I'm grateful for this change. I'm grateful for the feedback that led to change. So I have had to let go of who I thought I was supposed to be and embrace myself for who I really am with all my warts, limits and all, right? Because vulnerability requires courage. But what vulnerability is not, and I want to say that, right, is that vulnerability is not oversharing. Have you met people who overshare? Yes, right? Sometimes they overshare on social media. Sometimes they overshare in person or even in groups, right? But vulnerability is not about sharing with every single person regardless of the level of trust and safety. Okay? In fact, real authenticity, real vulnerability actually requires major self-monitoring. Isn't the lack of self-monitoring. Isn't the just anyhow say, okay? Authenticity requires that awareness about the connections between our thoughts, emotions and behaviours. It also means staying mindful about our intentions. Why am I sharing this now with this particular person? Right? All those things come into play. So one of the things that one of you said earlier on in one of the word clouds, being aligned. That's actually what it is. Being authentic means being aligned. That means that your thoughts, your emotions, your behaviours, your intentions, they are all aligned right? with your values, with who you are. So let me ask you, like, what are some beliefs, you know, maybe when you're hearing my story or you're hearing different things today, what are some beliefs that you need to let go about yourself in order to better embrace who you really are? I don't know what beliefs you have about yourselves, but we all do, right? We all have beliefs about ourselves, right? Some of us, we believe we are a nice person <laughs> or that we are very kind or we are a very good friend, right? And that's okay, right? You can have all kinds of beliefs about yourself. But what are some of the beliefs that you think you need to let go about yourself in order to better embrace who you really are? Warts and all, right? And it's interesting, right? You see the first three answers that come out already is about achievement, about perfection, about never being good enough. Isn't that interesting? But that's not surprising, right? It's not surprising because that's the messaging that we receive from the world, from society, and even from our families as we're growing up, and maybe even in some churches, right? That we have to achieve more to be loved. We have to do more. We've got to be perfect somehow. That we're never good enough. Some of the beliefs about past people who have hurt you, yeah? 
that I'm very together. <laughs> yeah, right? I mean, we might be. Like some days we are more together than other days, okay? <laughs> maybe I think that I'm a person of little courage. Yeah, maybe. And maybe you need to let go of that, right? Let go of the belief that I'm bad. Yeah. Putting other people's interests first before mine. Mm -hmm. The pressure as a leader, yes. And I would say, whoever put that, you are not alone. I've talked to so many of our leaders in our church. Everybody feels tremendous pressure. Somehow, right, the expectations on their shoulders, right? And so many things come out because of that. But what do we need to let go of in order to better embrace who we really are, even as a leader? Not as strong as what I've made myself out to be. Yeah? Need to be faultless and have compassion for all. <laughs> Impossible, right? Very hard, right? Now, I'm not a real Christian, not good enough, shy and quiet. That I need to be seen and heard all the time, otherwise nobody will remember me. To let go of the untruth that I'm unwanted. Yes. And yes. That I'm not physically attractive. The need to be perfect, to be loved, respected, accepted by everyone. The need to take initiatives as a leader. I'm unworthy because I'm imperfect. I'm not worthy of love. I'm a victim, yes. That I shouldn't ask for help when needed. That I'm a really good person. Well, I'm sure you're good, but we are all good and also difficult and messy and all sorts of other things. That my feelings are not important. Understand. That a half-honest answer protects you or the other person. Yes, right? Sometimes we do that, right? But, but no, right? We are trying to be as authentic as we can be, trying to be as clear as we can be, right? Everybody's my enemy. Mm -hmm. Such suffering, right? Some of the things that we tell ourselves. That I need to please members of my CG, yeah. It's hard, right? It comes from a lot of good intentions, but also comes from a lot of internal inner struggles, right? That we need to work on. To let go of the need for external validations, I'm very affected by people's reactions. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for all that self-awareness and for the vulnerability in sharing some of these things because I know that some of these things are not easy. You know, I mean, there are words up there, but I know that there are real inner struggles for many of us. But we can be better. We can get better. All right? And we can help each other in the process. See, what we're trying to work towards is that authenticity is the daily practice it's a daily practice. It's not a once and for all. Today, I have done it. Tomorrow, I'm all, I'm all good, right? It's a daily practice of letting go of who we think we're supposed to be and embracing who we are. Choosing authenticity means cultivating the courage to be imperfect, right? It's all the people who sit perfect, not worthy. Courage to be imperfect, to set boundaries, to allow ourselves to be vulnerable. Exercising the compassion that comes from knowing that we are all made of strength and struggle, nurturing the connection and a sense of belonging that can only happen when we believe that we are enough. We can only connect on that much deeper level when we believe that we are enough. You know, it's really difficult, right, to do that. Authenticity demands wholehearted living and loving, even when it's hard, even when we're wrestling with the shame and fear of not being good enough, and especially when the joy is so intense that we're afraid to let ourselves feel it. 
mindfully practicing authenticity during our most soul-searching struggles is how we invite grace, joy, and gratitude into our lives. So like I mentioned just now, authenticity can't be built just by you or me alone by ourselves. It is for us as a community. It requires a combined effort for us to create the right kind of environment for authenticity to thrive. Authenticity can only thrive when a group of people actively and intentionally cultivate a psychologically safe environment where people can build trust and establish norms that allow each other to be imperfect, to be vulnerable, to still be learning and still be growing as individuals and as a whole team. And so this applies to us as a faith community. Individually, yes, we can work on letting go of who we think we're supposed to be to embrace who we are. But at the same time, we need to cultivate a safe environment for one another to do the same. And that's because authenticity and belonging, they actually go hand in hand. Renebras' true belonging is the spiritual practice of believing in and belonging to yourself so deeply that you can share your most authentic self with the world. And true belonging doesn't require you to change who you are. It requires you to be who you are. Just to add to that caveat, uh, doesn't mean we don't change, right? We still change. We still have to work on becoming better. But you're accepted as who you are in order to belong, all right? You don't have to change who you are to belong, right? Because we can only feel belonging only when we have the courage to share our most authentic selves with people. And that's why our sense of belonging can never be greater than our own level of self-acceptance. It all comes together, right? It's all interconnected that way. And there's a lot more to say about belonging, and Miak will explore this in one of the latest sermons. But what belonging really means, right? As a community, as we try to show up, as we try to be authentic, as we try to be free, what does it mean to learn to create that space, that safe environment, that space of belonging for each other? So ultimately, what am I trying to say at the end of it? So in summary, okay, what we're trying to say today is that the more we are transformed in the likeness of Christ, the more we are able to be our authentic and free selves when we let go of who we think we're supposed to be and embrace who we are. And we can help each other grow by creating a safer environment. And so my prayer is that God will help us to grow in the likeness of Christ as we nurture a safer environment that helps one another to embrace our authentic selves more freely and more fully. Amen. So we come now to a time of Holy Communion where we can authentically all come to this table bringing ourselves as we are in the process of becoming who God wants us to be. But there's no barrier to you. You don't have to repent harder just to be worthy of the communion. You're worthy as you are. And we all belong in this one 
uh, ritual that we do. So we gather each Sunday at this table. Even though at this time we're not all physically together, the table of God's feast transcends time and space because God's love transcends all boundaries. So this table recognizes no boundaries. Here at FCC, we celebrate an open table. This means you do not have to meet any criteria. You do not have to be a member of FCC. You do not have to be baptized. You only need to recognize that God's grace is sufficient. We are your people, God, called together in your love. We are your children, Mother, called around the table of your word. We are your disciples, Lord, called to praise and give you thanks. We thank, thank you, good, good and, and gracious God, God for calling us to be your people, for giving us eyes to see, ears to hear, and hands to touch and bless our world. Even as your people, God, we are separated from ourselves, each other, and you, the creator of life. Let us confess our brokenness. As people caught in our tradition, we confess that we have helped perpetuate systems that deny the dignity and sacred worth of all sorts and conditions of persons. We have paid lip service to equality. Our lives are based on discrimination of the other. We have been our own worst enemies. We have failed ourselves, others, and we have failed you, God. Moved by your power, we accuse ourselves because we have not allowed you to form us as a new people. We confess our sin and we pledge to work for reconciliation with one another. We thank you, gracious God, for forgiveness and the chance to start again. We thank you, gracious God, for the gift of your spirit given to us in Jesus, in whom we are freed from the past and its oppression, in whom the gift is complete. Gracious God, you are the mother of creation and the father of all life. We are gathered as your people to thank you for your blessings, to receive your mercy and forgiveness, and to remember how Jesus died for us, accepting death to show his love for us and you. We remember how Jesus came to us, becoming one of us, born like us, of flesh and blood and bone, a fully human person like us in all things but sin. We remember how on the night before Jesus died, he gathered with his friends for one last meal. Siblings, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. The person who aligns with me hungers no more, ever. Anyone eating this bread will not die ever. This is my body, broken for you. Take, eat, remember me. Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. When you are joined with me and I with you, the harvest is sure to be abundant. I love you as I have been loved. Abide in my love. This is my blood, shed for you. Take, drink, remember me.
I now invite the stewards to come forward to distribute the elements. For those of you who are watching at home, now would be a good time to get your own elements to represent the bread and the wine so we can all partake together. Uh, for those of you who are new with us, uh, please hold on to the elements when you receive them and then we will all partake at the same time. together. <clears throat> Jesus, you are always present in our midst. You come to us simply, lovingly, humbly, in word and sacrament, in this bread and wine, and in the love we share with one another. Let us eat and drink of this bread and wine, remembering Jesus, his teaching, his life, his suffering, his death, and his rising to new life. Let us partake together.
May I invite you to stand in body or in spirit and join me in the prayer of communion. Gracious and loving God, you have made us one in the body of Christ and nourished us at your table with holy food and drink. Thank you for feeding our hunger and relieving our thirst. With deep gratitude, we offer you our lives, our love, ourselves gathered in Jesus by your life-giving Spirit. May we become a new people, wholly pleasing to you, a people giving glory to your name. Amen. Please be seated. So welcome again to the Sunday service of Free Community Church, where, as Pauline said, free stands for First Realize Everyone's Equal. FCC is an inclusive church. That means you're welcome here regardless of your sexual orientation, your gender identity, theological background, or any other labels the world puts on you. So to those of you who come here regularly or even those joining for the first time, welcome home. Uh, my name is David, and I'm the service leader for today. And we don't say this often, but if you're watching online and you liked our uh, sermon, please do give it a like and subscribe because this also helps other people find our channel. Okay, so um, this is the time of the month where we give a budget update. And um, we have two funds, the general fund, which goes towards mainly our staff salaries and our general expenses, and the building fund, which goes towards paying the mortgage on this property. Um, so we're about middle of the year. And as you can see, we're actually doing pretty well. So we should uh, give ourselves a round of applause. Um, Although we're still slightly behind, I think that's pretty normal for this time of the year. So about 4% behind on general fund, about 8% on the building fund. So please do continue to generously support because FCC has no other means of support other than the generosity of all of you. So um, one thing we do like to encourage, uh, if you haven't done so already, and if you're a regular giver, is to set up a direct debit with your bank or a standing instruction so you can decide uh, maybe at the beginning of each year how much you want to commit to give every month and then that will just automatically happen. Um, this really helps us because that way FCC can have a more stable cash flow rather than um, sometimes our revenue kind of spikes up and down and it's very hard for the, manage, you know, the board to plan and predict how much revenue we're going to collect. So the two DBS account numbers are there, and if um, that's something you'd like to do, you can just snap a picture of that. Um, you go to the next slide. So there's, this is the two usual ways you can give by um, PayNow, by scanning the two QR codes. If you're on site, the QR codes are also on the chair in front of you, and going to the general fund and the building fund. Or you can give by credit card at freecomchurch.give.asia. That only goes to the general fund, and there's a 1.5% fee that uh, they charge there, but we're grateful for giving in any form. So now please join me as we pray for the offering. Dear God, thank you for setting up FCC in Singapore, a place where we can be a light, a place of safety for LGBTQ Christians to come and worship in authenticity and freedom, without fear of judgment, but coming here to worship with our whole selves. And Lord, help us continue this ministry and to, more, to uh, more and more people in Singapore and overseas. Lord, may you continue to support the work that we do and bless the offering, bless everyone who gives, and use this for the extension of your kingdom. We praise in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Okay, so can I invite the ushers to come forward to take up the offering? And if you're on site and you would like to give cash, please raise your hand and the ushers will come to you. Now, uh, while the ushers are going around, we have some announcements. So first of all, oh, yeah. Okay, if you're new with us, um, please let us stay in touch with you. So you can um, scan the QR code or leave your details at fcc.ly slash welcome. And this will let our pastors or staff reach out to you and find out how we can serve your needs. Uh, we also have a monthly newcomers meeting. And so that will be on the 23rd of July after the service. And it will be an opportunity for you to get to know some of our leaders, our members, find out about our history and our theology and um, how you can get plugged into our community. Okay, so now we'll go to the announcements. And the first announcement is uh, ACE. Okay, ACE stands for After Church Events. And this is an initiative that we came up with because during COVID, a lot of us kind of got used to not coming to church and just staying at home, right? So we have these After Church Events to kind of encourage people to come back and also a chance for you to get to know um, new people, people you haven't met before. Uh, so the, new, the next ACE event will be on the Sunday, 30th of July, and it will be a portrait drawing event. So yeah, no experience required. I guess we'll probably just be drawing one another. Um, you can get to know, look at someone really closely uh, through drawing them. Um, next slide. Uh, so yeah, you will be spending a lot of time gazing deeply into someone's eyes. Uh, you can have deep conversations. It'll be fun. Um, but yeah, so if you're interested, register at fcc.ly slash ACE, 30th of July. Okay, the next announcement is for our anniversary commemorative book. And one thing we're particularly looking for right now is for every cell group to contribute a collage. And this collage should sort of um, represent who your group is and what your, you know, what's your group about. Uh, it could be anything, just, just express your artistic uh, ability as to whatever you feel is, um, represents your group. Um, so please submit this by the 9th of July. Uh, and you, if you need more information, contact info at freecomchurch.org. And there's a set of briefing slides that we can send you. Okay, the last announcement will be for lunch khakis. So lunch khakis, it's a thing we do to, if you're new and you really don't know anybody here. We have people who will take you for lunch at the nearby Hawker Center. And so this week, lunch khakis are Daniel. He's standing at the back with his arm raised, and Angela, who's up in the hive there. So if you are interested in having someone to eat lunch with after the service, then just meet them at the back of the sanctuary. And I think that's the end. So now let me invite the worship team to come back and do one last closing song. I love what Pauline said about us learning to let go of who we think we are supposed to be and embracing who we are. That came from Bernie Brown, not Pauline Ong. <laughs> Pauline did say that in her sermon. Um, I want to say that this process will be difficult. That's a fact. Um, but we do kind we do find comfort that 
our God is a faithful God who can be dependable and also who is a God of love. Okay? With that, let's sing our last song, Goodness of God.
not how you were when you were a baby we see how babies are just themselves not afraid of judgment not afraid of criticism showing their full emotions happy sad joy unfiltered unmasked, real, authentic. And as we grow, we learn to put on masks. We've been taught to be something that, something more we need to achieve, then we'll be loved. That we're somehow only worthy when we are perfect. But God loves you just as a parent would. You are worthy as you are. So may we continue to build a community and a space where we are able to be real and authentic, that we are able to grow deeper in our relationships with ourselves, with each other, and with God. And it's from this space that we will transform the world. It's from this space that we can witness to what love really means. So go out and may you be strengthened by what you learn here and the love that you feel here so that the world will be touched by that love, that love that we first encountered in Christ. So go in love always, knowing that you are the beloved child of God always. Go in courage, go in joy, and go in love. Amen. We'll come to the end of the service. We look forward to seeing you next week.